You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yes, I like that. Never, never going to let us down. Come on, sing it with me. Never going to give you... No. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's good to be back. It, it is. I didn't want to come back, if I'm being honest. Uh, it had nothing to do with you guys. Uh... I just know that up in the highest point in North Carolina is the place to be. God lives there. That's all I'm saying. God lives there. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. You don't even have to have air conditioning in your house up there. Go figure, right? Being in Florida is like, what? Yeah. No, you don't even have to have it up there. It's wonderful. We had a great time. Oh, we were there. 10 days? 11 days? Wilson got sick. Bella got a little sick. Now Jocelyn's a little sick. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it was a, but you know what? God's good, and we still had a good time anyway, so. And Jocelyn, actually, she, yesterday and today, was feeling terrible. Um, so can we just all, like, pray right now for healing? Anybody else in the room just sick? Or you know somebody who's sick? Put your hand up. <laughs> People who are sick, you're not in the room, hopefully. Um, know somebody who's sick? Anybody in here know somebody who's sick? Okay, right now, just pray. Right now, in Jesus' name, all the sickness, leave. All of it is illegal and it's trespassing because we belong to you, Jesus. So it does not belong in the body. It doesn't belong anywhere in the body. So we just command it right now to leave and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. That's good. Yes. So, the art thing. Yes. I just wanted to mention, Julia has been leading that and uh, Christiana has come alongside her to help. And look what Cesarina is painting this morning. It's like beautiful, isn't it? Um, it's gone to a whole new level since uh, Julia came in and started bringing her gift, um, Julia, um, and it's been wonderful. But also, because of the outreach we did, there's been a wonderful connection developing uh, between us and the city of Lake Mary, and I just really want to honor that because that's a big deal. When you have the city coming to you and saying, come and do things here, that's a big deal. This is the kind of influence that we should, as the body of Christ, have in the world around us. Yes? Amen? It should be cities coming to us. It should be people coming to us and saying, we want you to be a part of this. You want a fun fact? Do you know why in a lot of high churches the pastor or the priest wears a robe? Does anybody know why that happens? Have you ever thought about that? You've seen it, right? Yeah, they wear these, these robes. They, have a, they wear a suit and then they come in, they preach and they put a robe on. Why do they do that? You know what? I discovered something a few years as to why they do that. Back in around 200, 300, um, the people of Rome, the, the government of Rome, was incredibly impressed with what the church was doing, with how they would settle disputes. So the, the city came and said to the people of the church, will you bring your people in to help us resolve suits. You guys get through these things so quickly. Arguments, you know, lawsuits, whatever it is. You guys get through these things so quickly. Will you come in and help us bring resolution to these things? Now, does that sound like the kingdom to you? Okay. Well, what they did was they would bring them in and put robes on them. Because that's what a judge wears, right? 
The judge wears the robe because it's supposed to be impartial. It represents just justice, right? Law and order, there's nothing to be, you know. That's why the robes ended up back in the church because they got them from the city and then they brought them back into the church again. Is that good information? I mean, come on. You like little fun facts like that? Okay. Some of you are like, Andrew, what are you talking about? I just thought that was interesting. But I liked the fact that the, the church has that kind of influence in the city. I like that. That should be the way it is with the kingdom. I've said this before, but I, it's still true. We have a mandate from Jesus to go into all the world, or as you're going, make disciples, right? We have turned it around, we've put it on the world, and we've told the world to go to church. Go to church. you got to go to church, right? I mean, we think that, right? If you go to church, that somehow it makes you spiritual, makes you whatever. Going to church is great, but it's the connection with the believers that's great. Hello? It's not forsaking the assembling of the saints, as Hebrew says. It's coming together. That's the beauty in that. But just coming to church doesn't bring transformation any more than moving into a garage will turn you into a car. Hello? It's more than that. It's so much more than that. So... Um, if you've been around here the last couple of weeks, I have been in a very unique place where I hear Holy Spirit speaking to me over and over again. He doesn't want me to prepare messages. Now, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it, but it still makes me a little bit nervous. Now, when I was growing up in the church, if a Pentecostal charismatic church, if have you, anybody else, Pentecostal charismatic background, you've got that? And the pastor would come up on the platform, I had a message prepared, but God said, don't do that. Right? You've heard that? It's like, I hate saying that God doesn't want me like making message preparation because it feels like that. And what I really used to think when I used to hear that from the platform was, oh, you just didn't do your homework. And you're just praying God will show up. Well, I am praying God will show up, but this is my homework. And doing what he's telling me to do here. So I just, there's this longing inside of me just for more. I can feel it growing in the church as I talk to you guys. There's a desire to do more, to be more, to experience more. I want tangible manifestations of the Spirit. This is what I want. When the psalmist writes and says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What does that mean? How do you magnify the biggest thing ever? I mean, seriously, how do you do that? I mean, what's bigger than God, right? I mean, he's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere. So what is bigger than God? So when I hear the psalmist write, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I don't think it's so much about making him bigger. I think it's about bringing him into focus. And my heart has been in such a place recently where I'm like, honestly, I'm done with church as we know it. I'm done with it. I need to see the manifestation of Holy Spirit all the time. Has anybody ever had that happen where it kind of like was like, you don't need faith to see what's going on. Everybody in the room knows what's happening, right? This is the kind of place where my heart has been. And I'm recognizing it, and I bring up the art thing and talk about church having influence because I'm, I'm recognizing this as I take in the news. Is anybody else like me in the room, you have to take the news in like small increments? It's like, I mean, I like to know what's happening in culture. I like to know what's happening in politics. I like to know what's happening, what's developing and what's, you know, I actually have a TikTok. I don't use it, but I have a TikTok. I, why? Because I want to know what's going on. I, you know, it's, I'm interested in that. Was that weird? Did I just make it really weird in here? Okay. All right. So 
I, I want to know what's going on. Why? To be in the know, not so much to be in the know. It's I want to know what's happening in the world around me so I know what to bring. Hello? So much of the time, the church is out there giving answers to questions that nobody's asking. I don't want to live like that. I want to know what's going on. I want to be informed. So I, I watch a lot of news. I, I try not to watch it. I tried to read it more than I watch it. Um, but I read a lot of news to see what's going on. And the more I read it, and the more longer that I'm in this place of God, I just need you to show up, I'm starting to recognize that the church has not done a good job in bringing Jesus to the world. And I'm not talking just about doing evangelism. I'm not talking just about that. I'm talking about in every aspect of our life, everything that we have, everything that you have, can be a demonstration of the kingdom. Everything that you have can be a demonstration of the kingdom. I think the most difficult place, the hardest place, the most scary place, if you would, for the body of Christ to be or for a Christian to be is in a place of neutrality. Because I don't believe in the kingdom there is like a no man's land, a neutral zone, a demilitarized zone. I don't think there is one. And if we live like that, we're susceptible to allowing the enemy to come in and to establish a territory, right? Matthew says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, the violent take it by force. That's not a militant kind of force. That's a recognizing what we have as an inheritance and who we are. Who do we have inside of us? Who do we bring with us? All the resources that I have in my life, everything that I have is something to be used inside the kingdom. My talent my time, my money, all of it is something to be used in the kingdom. You've heard me talk about this before too, but I, I believe it. I only do it when I hear Holy Spirit doing it. But when, when I come across somebody who's like homeless or whatever, and you, know, you how many have seen that where you're driving down the street, you stop at a light and somebody's holding up a sign, right? Now, I don't always give money, but there's times where I do. And when I give to that, I used to think things like, oh, they're just going to go spend it on drugs. They're going to go spend it on alcohol. But you know what? I don't even care. You go ahead and do that if you want. That money was in my hands and it's got the kingdom all over it. And you're getting infected whether you like it or not. Everything I have, when it's used in the context of walking with Jesus and wanting to be an influence in the world around us, I believe it brings change. And I'm sure everybody in this room would agree we need to see change in the world. Right? I don't know that anybody would disagree with that. Are we seeing change in the world? Yes, we're seeing it. Are we seeing it to the degree that we saw it in the early church? Not so much. Well, if God didn't change, what did? So, in this place where I've been, I woke up this morning and I heard Holy Spirit say to me, read Matthew 25 about the steward. And so I'm going to read that to you, and I'm just going to give you some thoughts on this thing, and we'll just see what Holy Spirit does with it, okay? I gave that to you guys right in the back, Matthew 25, beginning in verse, verse 14. Now, we've all heard this, okay? We, we, uh, we all know this. I think it has to do with much more than just money. It has to do with money. But I think it's so much bigger than that. And here's Jesus talking. He says again, Heaven's kingdom is like a wealthy man 
who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another, a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to a third, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. I like that. In other words, you can't sit there and complain that somebody has something more than you. He gives according to what we can manage. Can I just interject something right here? Who determines your income? You do. You do. It's not your boss. You do. You determine your income. By how you live, by what you do with it, will determine your income. It keeps going here. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with, traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. The one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000 saying, See, I have doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, you have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you have been faithful, a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came in and said, See, master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. Do you guys get the theme of what's happening here? For you will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, Come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, and I want you to pay attention to this. Look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please and you're shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you. So I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground, but here it is, take it, it's yours. Angered by what he heard, the master said to him, you're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I return. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance, and the one with hardly anything, even what little he has, will be taken from him. Then the master said to the other servants, Now, throw that good-for-nothing servant far away from me into outer darkness, where there will be great misery and anguish. Now, sounds like a great guy to work for. <laughs> That's obviously not describing the character of God, because we know different. But the principle still applies here. When 
the master comes back and says to the servant who buried the 1,000 coins, who buried those things, he said, if you knew me to be a harsh taskmaster, one who always makes a profit, a shrewd businessman, why did you do that? When I read that this morning, I heard Holy Spirit saying this to me, it's not good enough to have a good theology of God. You can know things about him. But it doesn't do anything in the kingdom. Hello? Obviously, it's a parable here. But to know things about God, the guy knew him. He said, I know you. This is the kind of person you are. You're shrewd. Man, you go after it. You make a profit. Whenever you invest, you're going for it. You're a wise businessman. He knew it, but he still did nothing with it. That tells me this whole thing about learning theology is not where it's at. My theology should develop out of an experience, honestly. Can I get an amen in a room? Are you awake? What have you been given? I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about assignment. I'm talking about calling. I'm talking about your talent. What have you been given? And are we using that to bring the kingdom wherever we go? Sometimes I can be a funny guy. Sometimes I can. I mean, it's not always, but sometimes I can be a funny guy. Well, I'm starting to discover that being that kind of witty, funny guy that I can be at times, that's a kingdom gift. I can use that in the kingdom. Are you guys tracking with me? Can anybody in here just think for a moment, you should be able to think for a moment, what is something that you have that's kind of unique to you? Think about it. What is it? Because that's not all I can do. I can be funny, I can be witty, but that's not all I can do. But think about something like that that's a character trait about yourself that you like, that's good. Now I want you to think for a moment, how am I using that in the kingdom? How am I using this in the kingdom? Because according to the principle here, if we take what we have and we invest it and we use it, then we end up with more. But at the end it says, to him who thinks he has, or the one who had and didn't do anything with it, it gets taken away from him. That doesn't sound fair, does it? It's kingdom. I'm not making it up. This is how it works. It's kingdom. One of the most dangerous places we can be is being in a place of complacency. We're un- we allow places of unoccupied land in our hearts and in our minds. Come on, is this making sense this morning? What is there, uh, is there unoccupied land in your workplace? Is there a place of neutrality? I, I, I'm, I'm reading that and I'm, and I'm listening to this. I'm, I'm reading the news and I'm paying attention to this stuff and I'm going, man, there are too many places where we have allowed neutrality in the world instead of bringing the kingdom to bear. And then Satan shows up, takes that territory, and then starts fighting from that position, and he wars against everything that we've ever known to be true about him and tries to steal that from us. Just by giving him that place. I hope this is making sense this morning. Just by giving him that place. He comes in to a place of neutrality. He sets up shop, and he says, I'm going to do war from this place right here, and I'm closer to your heart. I'm closer to what you love. I'm closer to the things that you know. I'm going to start moving in on your territory. There is no such place in the kingdom. We're either losing it or we're advancing it. We're either losing it or advancing it. What about your workplace? What about your sphere of influence? The people on your cul-de-sac. 
Is there a place of neutrality there? Do they even know who you are? Do they know what you bring? Because if they don't, we're leaving a place where it's passive. Come on, I'm preaching to myself here. If you're feeling provoked, good. I've told you before, my gifting is not primarily as a pastor. I'm really okay with that. But that's a challenge for you because I'm not interested in making you feel good. I'm more interested in growth than I am your comfort. Our mission statement, transformation through encounters with Jesus and a revelation of God's goodness. This is what we do. I'm not saying that our mission statement is the mission statement and everybody should have that one, every church, because that's the right one. No, that's the one God gave us. It's transformation through encounters with him and a revelation of God's goodness. I know for me personally, my freedom from addiction that came in one day was because I had an encounter with Jesus. And it brought radical transformation. Radical transformation. I got a revelation of how good he is. How many when you were growing up in church, or how many in here, first of all, grew up in church, or for the most part of your life were in church? Really, I want to see right here, raise your hand. Okay, the majority of everybody in the room, not everybody. Now, if you're anything like me, I'm going to ask you this question too, and I do want a show of hands. Did you grow up in the church thinking that God was somehow something like what we just read right there? Anybody? That his character, that his nature was not one of goodness and kindness and loving. That wasn't his nature. His nature was if you get it wrong, you're going to get punished. Anybody? Can we kick that to the curb? Can we just for a moment recognize that the enemy wants to come in and get us to think things like that because he wants to steal the joy. What did he say to those servants who had invested and brought the reward? You're going to enter into delight and the joy of the Lord, right? I want that. I want that. I don't want to be ripped off. So I'm asking the question of all of us this morning. What do you have? What's your talent? What's your gifting? As small as it may be, but you know that you have something that's unique to you. I'm hoping you can think of something. Can everybody in the room think of something? Let me see your hand if you can think of something. This is a legitimate question. Let me see your hand if you can think of something. Okay, good. We got a few who can't think of anything. That's all right. Holy Spirit, get them right now. Show them what they're gifted with. Show them what they're carrying You have the thumbprint of God on you. But Andrew, I'm in a really bad place right now. I mean, you don't understand. I mean, I'm walking in a lot of sin. Yeah, I don't think that stops him. He doesn't want us there. Obviously, he doesn't want us there, but that's never stopped him. Oh, man, I feel like picking on stuff right now. How many in here were in church and you grew up thinking that God was some kind of taskmaster? You know, right? I saw some hands. Now, How many of you have ever heard this in the church? God can have nothing to do with sin or something like that. Honestly, I'm asking the question. How many of you? Okay, a number of you. More than half have heard something along those lines. Did you know that's absolutely a lie? It's a lie. It's a demonic lie. God can have nothing to do with sin. So every time you sin, he like turns his, I can't look at you. I can't look at you until you repent. Until you repent. Until I hear you say, God, I repent, I'm not going to turn around and look at you. This is the kind of thing that we have running around in the church. God can have nothing to do with sin. That is totally a lie. It's a lie because 2 Corinthians 5 tells me that. That God was in Christ 
No, it says, first of all, he who knew no sin became sin. Well, that was all on Jesus and God had to look away. No, because right after that it says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Come on, is this encouraging? This should wake us all up to something here, that the sin that we walk in, God does not want that on us. But not because it's so bad, it's because it keeps us from walking in our destiny and our calling. Hello. There's a lie running through the church that says stuff like that all the time. Oh, well, you got to get cleaned up before God will use you. Come on, man. You know what that is? That is navel-gazing, introspective junk. How about we get our eyes set on Jesus, listen to what he is saying, not what's going on inside of us, and next thing you know, all of a sudden, those sin patterns, they start to disappear. When I'm focused on the sin, that's the very thing that I do. Well, Andrew, everybody's got a struggle. Romans 7 talks about it. The thing that I don't want to do, that's the thing I do. The thing that I want to do, I can't do that thing. Right? We're all familiar with Romans 7, right? But we forget that it starts with this little passage right here. It says, I speak to those who know the law. He's talking about people that are living under that law mindset. And if you live under that law mindset, the rest of Romans 7 is how you live. Anybody identify with it? I do, because I used to live like that. I used to think that if I could get myself just a little bit cleaned up, if I could get out of the addiction, if I could not do that thing for at least a month, if I could stop doing this, then maybe God would talk to me. Maybe he would use me because I had sat in rooms like this before and I had had these things called altar calls and I would come running to the front and I would say, God, I'm so sorry, God, I'm so sorry. I want you, I want everything you have for me. And I'd walk out the room and nothing would change. Why? because I didn't get a revelation of him. I was still focused on not doing the thing that I was doing. I was so focused on not doing that that I couldn't even hear him. Come on, is somebody getting free this morning? Set your mind, Colossians says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Is trying to get out of addiction and sin setting your mind on things on the earth? Yes. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That word mind there is actually the word sofreno. It actually means thinking. It, it could also be translated affections. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. My desire to be free from my sin was right. My approach was not. I'm tired of seeing the church get ripped off. I really am. I'm so sick and tired of it. I see it all the time. I see people that are just almost living in that, that no man's land, that neutral land, waiting for God to show up, waiting for him to do something, waiting for him to give us another word. How many in here, I am quizzing you all day, aren't I? How many in here have ever had a prophetic word from God about your destiny or future? Hands up, please. Okay, almost everybody in the room. What are you doing with it? Seriously. Are you sitting back, holding on to the word and saying, someday, someday, I got this word from God. I got a word. Holding on to this word. I talk about my word. I pull it out of my pocket and I show people my word. Look what God said to me. 
I heard Bill Johnson say one time, every time God comes and gives you a prophetic word about your future, if he prophesies and says something like, you're going to have an oak tree, what he's really giving you is an acorn. And what you do with that acorn will determine if you end up with that oak tree. But we've got a lot of us running around who take the acorn, put it in our pocket. I got a tree. I got a tree right here. God told me I got a tree. No, bro, that's an acorn. What are you going to do with it? Until you put it into the ground and start stewarding it, it never becomes the thing that God prophesied for you. Does this sound familiar with what he's talking about right here? This guy had a perception of who God was that was completely wrong, and it kept him from joy. The thing ends up, and New, New Kings, I think it translates like this at the end, cast him out into utter darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a fine how do you do. That is not hell, by the way. That is not talking about hell. I believe what he's talking there is a, is a person who did not take what God had given them, they buried it, and they end up with lack of influence around them. A place of obscurity, if you would. Does anybody even know if you're a believer? My wife and I, we love this restaurant in Clearwater, it's on Clearwater Beach, it's called Frenchies. If you've never been there, run, don't walk. It's about two and a half hours to get there from here. I know because I do it. It's on Clearwater Beach, it's called Frenchies. It's one of the best places to eat, and it's consistent across the board. We've been eating there for 30 years. We love that place. So back in May, uh, for our anniversary, one of the things that I did was like on the day, we have to do something on the day even if we have to celebrate on different days. One of the things that we did was got in the car and we drove over to Frenchie's. Five hours worth of driving just to have a meal. But it's fun, you know, and we actually had our, our reception down there on Clearwater Beach. We had a boat and we took it out with all the people on it. It was, one, it was really a big deal. So that place has memories for us. But we go there and while we're sitting there eating, I'm just sitting there and enjoying it and I'm am in my own world. Yes, the super grouper Cajun sandwich. Mm. I order it. It is so good, isn't it? I ordered it, and I just as I ordered it, and she walked away, I'm going, I feel a healing coming on. <laughs> Something good about to happen here. And I'm sitting there enjoying it with my wife. We're having a great time, just memories, all this kind of stuff. But then this girl who's serving us walks up, and I hear Holy Spirit say something to me. And he says, tell her that she has dreams and she dreams in color. And so I said that to her. I said, you have dreams, don't you? You dream in color. Oh my gosh, who are you? I said, I just feel like God wants you to know that because you have such intrinsic value. And that what he really wants you to know is that when you're dreaming and you're dreaming in color, that's actually God speaking to you. And I went on to ask her, I said, do you have, did you ever have dreams where they were nightmares? And she said, yeah, I used to, but that's not like that anymore. Everything I'm having is like towards future and it's good stuff. And I said, that's God talking to you. Who are you? She says, who are you? I'm like, listen, I just came here to give this. I don't know. I didn't come here to give you this. I came here to get the sandwich. That's what I really want. She goes, I'm going to remember you. I was like, okay, that's great. That's wonderful. What am I doing? I'm recognizing in that moment and I'm going, you know what? 
I'm never off. There's not an off switch for the Christian. There's never an off switch. We're always on. Now, here's the good news in that, because some of us might hear that and go, oh, man, you mean I got to be constantly looking? No, 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 no. If you're hearing it like that, where you're on switch, it stays on. If, if you're hearing it like, oh, man, then you're missing the point. I'm hearing it like these guys who had the 5,000 and who had the 2,000, who knew that, man, if I invest this thing right here, I get a return on this, and I get to live in the delight of the Lord. And so if I stay on all the time, this is what I get. Now, as much fun as that was, and we had a great time. We walked on the beach. We, we hung out there for a while after we had dinner. It was wonderful. But you know what made that even better? Was that encounter. Right there. Come on, is this making sense? What do you have that you're giving off? Everywhere you go. Now, we're really big into activation here. In the supernatural, you know, healing, giving prophetic words. I mean, I could say right now to any one of our leadership, stand up here and prophesy, and they would do it. Wouldn't even have a second thought about it, and they would do it. And I think a lot of other people in the room could probably do it too. Why? We've created a culture around that. But I'm looking at that, and I'm going, yes, I want that, and I never want that to stop. But there's got to be something else too. I always want to see healing. I always want to see the supernatural. I always want to see the prophetic going out there. I always want to see God speaking through me and hear God speaking through me so I can impart life into someone else. I always want that, but I'm asking for more. I need more. What are you doing with your money? I'm serious. Ooh, he's going to talk about that. Jesus talked about it all the time. I'm serious. I used to think in the church that I had to give because if I didn't give, I would be cursed. Can you kick that one to the curb as well? Kick it to the curb. There's, oh, well, you know, Malachi 3, whatever, you know, they talk about all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, that's old covenant. We have to move into a new covenant. In the old covenant, actually the tithe, there was three of them. It was actually like 30%. And in the new covenant... People say, oh, well, with giving, I'm not under the law anymore. I don't have to give. No, 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 you're missing the whole point. Yeah, you're right. You don't have to give. You get to. You get to. What are you doing with your money? Coming into the, I'm going to just be honest here. Coming into this year, when we were into the last year, coming into this year, my wife and I were having a conversation about our finances, what we're doing in our future. And one of the things we decided to do was give more. Our income didn't go up. We just decided to give more. Do you know what, not just since then, but even before then, because it was a principle we learned, did you know what, that the more I give, the less the money holds on to me? It's so true. It's true. The more I give away, the less it holds me. It makes it so easy. The more I do it, the easier it becomes, and it doesn't hold me. And I don't have thoughts like, well, if I give this, I can't pay that. I don't even think like that. Come on, can I get an amen to this? Is it getting uncomfortable in the room? Mindy, come on up here. She's got a testimony about something that happened with her. They're from Walmart. Oh, I don't care. They're $8. I'm not buying the real ones until I know these are good. Hi, everyone. So I have a testimony about being awesome at work. So 
for those of you who have not spoken to me, I gave a testimony last week about all these like breakthroughs I've been having, but something else happened at work that affects our church. It's pretty cool. So the CEO of my company, me and him have kind of become friends because he came for a visit in what, 2019? And you know, I'm Mindy, so I made the situation awkward and fun. I just treat him like a regular person. Like no one's super special. You're regular. Everyone's regular. Supernatural yet regular. So um, we had this meeting. It was fun. And then January 2020, he sent me a message on our like Teams chat. And he said, I pulled it up so I could read it to you. Would you mind helping me with one of our service locations get ready for their vision meeting? You came to mind because of the fantastic work you did in Orlando. I was like, oh, I would love to. He was like, you know, talk to this person. You came in mind for setting the right atmosphere. Come on. That's right. Come on. He could have used any other word. He could have been like, you were nice. He said atmosphere. So I was like, all right, we're on duty. So whatever. I contact the other location. I tell him, listen, Will's normal. Don't act weird. Be nice to him. Ask him questions. Don't, you know, don't be weird. Be nice, inviting, whatever. He had a good time. So over the past like year, you know, we've become friends and I'm pretty outgoing. So I'll message him like, hey, how's work going, CEO? I know you do a lot. Just really awkward and random stuff, but he like loves it. So sometimes we FaceTime, talk about life. You know, he's a millionaire. So I'm just like, you know, do you hate being a millionaire? Like I ask really awkward questions. Are your, are your kids going to be millionaires? Or are you going to make them work? Like I ask all kinds of questions. He always responds, always answers. So uh, as you know, the plant was closing down. It was reopened. So a week before it was closing down, he came to Orlando because I told him, hey, you know, since you're firing everybody, you might want to come for a farewell. Don't you think? He came. It's just really, it's just really regular. It's so weird. So he comes and then we all went to dinner as like our management team. And um, <laughs> a few weeks prior to this, uh, we got a sales call. And sometimes salespeople don't want to take the transferred call. So I'm a little angry because some guy from the Bahamas is calling. He wants some garbage cans or whatever. And I sent an email. Remember I talked about the professional corrective emails like per my last email or whatever. So I sent an email to the head of sales like, hey, this is what I was talking about. Your people don't answer the call. This person wants to buy. Get a hold of your group. Anyways, it's a big customer. They buy like, they bought, they were currently making their stuff, but it's like 120,000 whatevers. So when Will was here, oops, sorry, name dropped. Uh, when he came to Florida for that last meeting, I was joking with him. And I was like, Will, you owe me some money. That's what I did to him. Everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, so I told him the whole story. I was like, your salespeople aren't answering calls. It's me. They don't deserve the commission. It should be me. Ha ha. Just kidding. But really. <laughs> so, so we laughed a little bit and then. He was like, okay. So a few days later, he messages me and was like, hey, I just want to thank you for the work that you did. Um, would it be okay if I donate some money to your church on your behalf for that? Wow. Yes. Yes. What? That, that was definitely not what I was thinking. But like, what? For him to think about the times that I've talked about God, that it matters to me. He was like, he, that means he took what I said, he pondered it, he thought about it. Mm-hmm. I want to do something in response to what she's saying. What matters to her? That is, that is crazy. Yeah. So he donated some money to our church on behalf of Mindy Osborne's awesomeness is what the memo said. <laughs> but, <laughs> besides being like fun, bubbly, outgoing, all those things, like 
I've never had my work and my church life ever come together like that before. And then I realized, like, it does matter what you say. Like, he's not a Christian. He tells me very openly, I'm not a Christian. You're a Christian. That's cool. And uh, even right now, he asked me, he read a book that was a little confusing and had some Christianity in it. And he's like, could you read it and explain the Christian parts to me? What? That's that's not work-related. It's so random. So all that to say, like, be who you are. At work, like being a Christian matters. People, this world is lost. And um, I always keep what Billy Graham said to heart. And he says the condition of the human heart is the same all around. So I don't look at anyone like, oh, they don't want an encouragement or they don't want a prophetic. Everyone wants a prophetic word. I want one. I'm a Christian. I want as many prophetic words as I can get. I want as many encouragements. I want as many like encounters. So imagine if that's how you might think as a Christian who has experience. Imagine the world who's broken. So, yeah, me and my CEO, we chop it up. But now he's donating money to the kingdom of God and specifically this house. Are you serious? You know who we are? He doesn't even know what he did. Like, the Lord's going to bless him and it's going to bless our company. And you can be that connecting person for your work, for the colleague next to you. But for your CEO, it's all possible, guys. So be you. So So true. That's good, Mindy. Thank you. Come on. I love that. That's what I'm talking about. Recognizing what you have, what you carry. You are a bubbly, fun, inclusive. You want to, you just, you make a good time wherever you are. She's always looking for the fun. That's what I'm talking about. You bring it into the workplace and it's not just you make it a good time for people. You bring the kingdom with it. He wants to give money to the church because of her. Come on, that sounds right to me. That sounds right to me. I love that. What are you doing with your money? I've talked about your talent. What are you doing with your money? Well, Andrew, you just want to give it to the church. That's to give to the church. Yeah, I do. But that's not all I want you to do. It's true. Because we don't, as a family, just give to the church. We give to other things, too. And the more I do it, the more excited I get about it. It's making investments is what it's doing. This is a new place God is moving us into as a family, is looking at making investments. My, my mind is changing on things that I used to not really think so much about. I don't know if it's just getting older. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm recognizing this principle right here of like, man, everything that I do, everything that I have and everything that I do, I'm putting this in, it's, it's kingdom. It's absolutely kingdom. And I want that. I don't think it's right, let me put it this way. I don't think it's right for anybody who's a believer in Jesus to get breakthrough in revelation, in finances, in relationships, you name it, jobs. I, I don't think it's, right for people who believe in Jesus to get breakthrough in any one of those things and it not have an ongoing effect for generations. We don't need to be starting over again with every generation. I'm hoping this is coming out there. Because, I mean, it's, it's everything that I have. If I'm bringing revelation that I get to my children and I'm investing in them, not just giving them knowledge, but leading them into an experience, what do they have? They have something they can give to their children. On top of the things that they get themselves. 
We don't need to be starting over generation after generation after generation. I believe, I really do believe this. My dad's a, a pastor. He's retired, but he still speaks all the time. He says he's retired, but he's not. I don't know what he's doing. He's 85 years old, and he can freaking bring the heat. He has forgotten more about the Bible than I'm ever going to know. He is so smart. I'm not just saying that because he's my dad. I mean, he is so smart. He's got his doctorate in theology. That's a lot. That's a lot. You ask him anything about it, and he'll go, oh, yeah, that's over here, and this is connected to this. La, 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 la. He, just, he just does that. He's lived his whole life doing that. I believe a lot of what I carry comes from that. Why? Because he invested it. I'm serious. Had I not had him in my life, I wouldn't be nearly as close to where I am right now without him. And it came in different forms. Some of it may have even come through a religious thing or whatever. You know, we're going to sit down and you have to read this, you have to do that. You know, whatever, it still got in me, right? I went to a Christian high school. Yeah, five years. So, no, it didn't take me five years to get through high school. I was five years in that Christian school. And we had to memorize scripture every week. I'm not talking like a verse or two. It was chapters every week. I had almost all of Romans memorized. Ephesians, pretty close. I hated it. I hated it. I hated every minute of it. But it got in there. Is this connecting at all? It's this investment, what are you doing? I want to provoke you. I want you to start thinking, what am I doing with what I have? And don't put anything in the closet and say, that's not kingdom or that doesn't matter. Everything you have. Because I'm watching what's happening in the world around us right now, and there's this thing that I, I see it. I think it started with the corona thing, but it was just amplified with the corona thing. It's a thing called safism. I made that word up. I call it safism. As I'm, I'm paying attention, I'm reading, and I'm like, man, you could sell anything if you put for your safety behind it. Because who's going to argue with safety, right? Nobody wants to be cavalier and hurt people. I mean, nobody really wants I mean, there are people, but you know what I'm saying. In general, nobody really wants But it's a thing called safism. And as I'm reading and I'm watching what's happening in culture, I'm looking at it and going, man, this is not the church. The church doesn't look like this. And I know this. The church doesn't look like this, but they don't know that. But at some level, we've lived in a neutral ground and we're letting this thing called safism creep into us just a little bit. Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. I love C.S. Lewis. Yes. That guy's a beast. Yes. Anybody in here ever read his stuff? It's like, he says these crazy statements like, you know, just keep in mind you've never met a mere mortal. Well, that'll change your perspective on how you see humanity. Chronicles of Narnia. Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe. When Lucy is, uh, sees who Aslan is, the lion, she's talking to Mr. Beaver, and she asks the question to him, is he safe? And Beaver goes, oh, no, no, dear, he's not safe at all, but he's good. Doesn't that move you? Oh, no, no, dear, he's not safe at all, but he's good. I don't want this thing of safism to creep into the body of Christ. 
Well, I'm kind of naturally that way anyway. I'm like, if you tell me not to stand there because you'll fall off and die. There's that inside of me, but there's also this thing inside of me of like, I I do want to push it to the edge. While we were in North Carolina, there's a place I found where I could go four-wheeling. I'm not talking about the ATV. I'm talking about with my car. I could take this thing, and, and I'm like, I am looking for places. Just push it to the edge. I am looking at my wife, and I know I'm getting doing things scary when my wife and my daughter are sitting in the back, and they are stone-cold silent. I might hear a, oh, every now and then. <laughs> when I'm right on the edge of rolling down the side of a mountain. I like that. There's something inside of me that likes that kind of like, yeah. It, I ain't living until I think I might die. Anybody else like that? You've got this thing inside. You're just like, come on, man. I need, to, I need to push the envelope here. And I like being around people like that. It's inspiring. David Jackson's like that. Man, that dude is like... Jay didn't tell you, but what we did for my birthday was we went to a gun range, and we were shooting automatic weapons. You ain't lived till you shot automatic weapons. But one of the things we got to shoot was, this is not spiritual at all, but I'm going to share it. One of the things we got to shoot was a Barrett 50 cal. The kind of gun they put in airplanes, you know, that shoots at other airplanes, that, that kind of gun. It was a rifle that we got to shoot that thing. thing was a beast, wasn't it? So we're shooting this thing. We're shooting like, what was it, 400, 425 yards? Out? 450, 450 yards out to try to shoot this barrel out there. Yeah, 20 bucks a shot. It was expensive. But every one of us hit it. It took me two shots. Everybody else did it in one, so I don't know. took me two shots to hit it, but I hit it. And, you know, we're goofing around, and I'm holding it, things like 40 pounds, and, you know, you feel like, you know, this just, things comes out on you. I don't know if it's just a, yeah, that's a real thing. I I don't know, you know, I'm like, this this is awesome. I love this. I pick the gun up, and I'm like, I can't believe this thing. This thing weighs as much as a car. It's like nobody could shoot that thing like that. You just can't do it. Well, at one point, you know, we're all amped up. We're shooting this thing, the noise, all the stuff. We're looking at these bullets like that long, and we're all getting jazzed up. Dave Jackson takes the gun and puts it on his chin and tries to balance it. If you've been around here before, you know that's a big talent of his. We're still trying to figure out how he uses it in the kingdom. But he has a really good talent of balancing anything he wants on his chin. So he takes this $20,000 gun, and he puts it on his chin, and he's he's walking around like this. And I'm thinking the owner is going to rip him. All he did was say, hey, that's $20,000. That's all he had to say, you know. Does it stop Dave? No. Why? Because Dave is like me. He wants to live on the edge. He wants to push the envelope just a little bit. What if, what if we were to do that with the kingdom? What if we started to look at the kingdom as something good that isn't safe? Wisdom, wisdom is needed, right? But don't ever forget, fear masquerades as wisdom all the time. Hello? Shall I say it again? Fear masquerades as wisdom all the time. I don't want to see the church caught up in this where we start looking more like the world where we start buying into, I'm, I'm going to step on toes, political correctness. 
will never use this platform for politics. I want you to know that. But this is a thing. It's called the leaven of Herod. Jesus says, beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. He's talking about a religious spirit and a political spirit. Political correctness is a political spirit. Safism. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. Oftentimes we wait and we have a desire and we're like, my passion is growing. My desire is growing. I want to see more. I want to see more. I want to see more. But oftentimes God is wanting to do more through us than he is in front of us. Hello? The more that we want comes through risk. It comes through taking what I have and investing it just a little bit. If I invest it out there just a little bit, I know I'm going to get a return. The word of God does not return void, right? It doesn't. People ask me, well, Andrew, when you're praying for people, what happens if they don't get healed? You pray again. What happens if they don't get healed then? Well, you pray again. What happens if they don't get healed after that? I don't know. They still got injected with the kingdom. Right? I can't live in a mindset, especially when it comes to healing, of what if. Doesn't even cross my mind anymore. What if. I just know I'm investing. I'm investing. I'm investing. I'm investing of everything that God has given me. I see more healings now than I did 10 years ago. And you know why? I'm investing. I'm hoping it's provoking you. I'm hoping that it's moving you, not just to be a Christian in the sense of bringing the word and teaching and stuff like that. You recognize that what you have, the very person that you are, you bring the kingdom inside of that. And don't be afraid of it. Bring it wherever you go because I just don't want the church looking like the world. Everybody stand up here. I'm going to pray for us. Hmm. Yes, God. Holy Spirit, help us right now. Right now, I pray the revelation, that Holy Spirit would bring you revelation right now of what you have and who you are. You feel stuff coming? Holy Spirit, bring a revelation of who we are and what we have. Help us to recognize that it's not normal. It is not normal for a believer in Jesus to not have an appetite for the supernatural. That's abnormal. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Yes, just stay here another minute. Thank you, God. Let him speak to you. God. Yes, God. 
Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Holy Spirit, wake it up. Wake up all the God deposits. Everything you've deposited, everything that you've hidden, everything that you've given. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. That's so good. Alana, in the back, back there, every time I look at you, I see you glowing. And I feel like I've been watching it the whole time I've been up here, and I don't know exactly what it is. I'm going to start and see what God says. I feel like what he's given you, he's giving you the gift and giving you the ability to prophesy without it looking like what the church does when they prophesy. You know what I'm talking about? It's that thing. You just speak, and the words that come out of your now, mouth, they, they break things open for people. It's not about personality. It has nothing to do with personality. It has to do with what he's put on you and in you. And it's like a, just this glowing thing all over you when I look at you. It's like, this is your design. You are made to be a prophet for God. I just like the way I'm seeing it come out of you, that it doesn't look anything like we think it does within the church. I really think what's happening is God is putting inside of you, if you choose to walk in it, <laughs> your mission, if you choose to accept it, I believe what he's putting inside of you is the ability to speak up maybe beyond your makeup. If you're introvert, are you introvert? Yep. I think it's maybe a little bit beyond that, but it's not that you have to force yourself to do something. What it is, is it's like you're speaking out of that place where you're okay with being an introvert, but when you speak, you're prophesying and you don't even know you're doing it. Thank you, God. Yeah, so good. So good. Anybody got a problem in their elbow? Anybody in the room got a problem with your elbow? Sometimes I feel things and not everything I feel is mine. So I have to ask. Whatever it is, anybody have anything in their elbow, elbow right now? Just work and function. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. All right, hold your hands out again. Do this real spiritual prayer we do here. God, get me. Say, God, get me. No, I need you to say it. God, get me. Get me, yes. That's a pretty broad, open thing, and I like doing broad, open things with God because he shows up in ways that I don't restrict him by. God, get me. Get me, wake my mind up, wake my heart up. I want to see, I want to know. I'm just choosing to say yes to you and I'm choosing to walk in this thing. I'm choosing to see culture around me like Mindy sees in her work change simply because I'm walking in who I am and I'm bringing the kingdom when I do it. Come on, listen, I do, I feel this this morning. This isn't just a Sunday morning thing we're gonna hype. I really believe if we step into this thing, I'm gonna start hearing testimony after testimony after testimony of God showing up in your sphere of influence, wherever it is. Wherever it is, I don't care wherever you work, I don't, whatever you do, it's going to start showing up. Testimony after testimony after testimony. Can we say amen to that? Anybody want to be a part of it? Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, I pray the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you and keep waking you up to who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 